You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. Um, I am low-key scared that I have a flesh-eating bacteria. I don't think you should be low-key afraid then. Well, because I keep going in the lake, and I know it's Grace. like I can't I can't quit it, you know? It's just there inviting me in every day. What has the flag color been? Well, there's no flag at Belmont Harbor. Grace! So I don't know. They don't tell us if there's like... You've got to you Google know, it. Whatever's in the lake. <laughs> Although that is where I see dead fish. So, oh, great. But yes. it, the dead fish are further from the area where I swim. But I mean, it's a lake, so <laughs> I feel like it's all... It's all know, in there. The yeah, same no. water. You have to Google it, okay? I'm not going to Google every day if there's bacteria in the harbor. Oh, okay. I don't have that but kind of time. But you're going to Google whether or not you have a flesh-eating bacteria. I haven't Googled it yet. Okay. But that could Should be we... what's affecting my tongue, so oh, stay tuned. <laughs> she's got a tongue issue. Anyway. She burnt it um, on her mac and cheese, but she won't admit it. Well, I don't think I could burn the bottom of my tongue on mac and cheese. You can burn cheese. anything on mac and cheese, okay? Okay. Anyways, uh, <laughs> welcome, everyone. Hello, hello, welcome. You're listening I'm Grace. to... <gasps> Grace, you're cutting me off? Well, I thought you were taking a break. Okay, I'm fine, Grace. Fine, fine. That's Grace. Chelsea. That's me. Um, and oh my God, we're the Good Evening Girls. Ooh, you're girl. listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. <laughs> Your favorite weekly Podward crosscast. Yes, and we we got through the intro. That was our worst <laughs> intro. We should in just a very long time. We should just say it in unison. Practice like a. All right, let's practice right now. No, not right now. We can do it to our <laughs> listeners. We'll practice off mic. We can do it to our listeners. We've put them through worse. I I say that's what I say. That's true. Um, shall we get into our heights and shites? Let's, let's get into it. Um, no corrections corners. So no. Goodbye to that, but let's move into Hits and Shits. Uh, I want to start by saying that Lollapazoola was last weekend. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be two weekends old, I believe, or at least mm-hmm. there's a, a weekend, whatever. It happened like <laughs> August 15th, okay? So depending on when you're listening. Um, it was the 13th annual Lollapazoola. It was really fun. Um, Grace and I kind of hopped in for a little bit. We were, um, you know, just part- watching the chat. We were not participating. We were a little shy um but it was no because they they put everyone's times on an excel sheet i don't want everyone to know how much we suck that's true yet at least that's true um but we did kind of uh hover stalk the chat we really enjoyed like the interviews and the games it was fun to see people that we've seen their names in the newspapers or online or whatever um and like congrats to brian and patrick for like doing a great job you will not believe how hard it was for me not to just write nonsense in that chat (laughs) As I am wont to do, but I yeah. Do not I get Grace that. and I on a Zoom chat together because we no. will we will harass people we do not know. And you're lucky yeah. we did not do that at Lollapazoola. Not uh, harass is a strong word. We just like to create chaos. Yes. Um. But I controlled myself because I was like, these people are here. There's multiple you know, times so she said, "Should I say this? Should me? I say yeah. this?" And I was like, "I'm like, you absolutely should, but you probably shouldn't." <laughs> I had lines on deck ready to go, but I know it wasn't about me, so I was just there to watch. Um, but you know, maybe next if par- year if I participate next year, and I pay money to be in it, then I may use You've the chat to my for all my whims and fancies. <laughs> um, there's a couple winners. I'm gonna shout them out. Um, the it. winner of the Express Division was David Plotkin. Congrats. The local division was Ryan Booker. Snaps to you. Uh, the pairs division, the team was Kevin uh, Cardi, Vivian Cooperberg, and Yuval Wigderson. And then the downs only division 
was Eric Agard, and apparently Eric came in fourth overall with his score. So only doing downs. Bananas. That is insane to me. Y'all are bananas. I am. He kind of scares me. I feel like I'm he's constantly a impressed. Yes, they're all geniuses. I'm really impressed by all of you, but you also scare the living shit out of me. <laughs> okay, Agreed. and that's all I have to say about Lollapazula. Congrats, everyone. Good times, fun times. Um, I have a shit follow-up mm. from last week. I talked okay. about how USA Today, their ad, when you're done with the puzzle, was for the NRA. And I don't know if they heard me, but it's not the NRA anymore. But now it's Trump. It's like, are you a Trump supporter? Yes or no? And then it says, like, TMA, which is like the Make America Great Again campaign. I don't know what it is, but it says at the bottom. What is going on? Somebody Why? needs to get this resolved. Yeah, well, even if it, I mean... If it's targeted ads, it's doing a really bad job because I don't yeah, know no. why they would ever target that to me. But anyway, so just thought that was interesting. Um, it's a nice I think update. They're trolling me. Yeah, <laughs> they they yeah. Um, I feel like I had a shit this week, but we'll get there. I can't remember what it was. Oh, very a very minor shit, and I just think it doesn't pass the breakfast you know test. Uh, from the Wednesday, August nineteenth, New York Times by Brandon Copy or Copy. Um, Nine down, long shot, question mark. And the answer was sniper. I just don't like to think about being sniped uh, while I'm doing the crossword. So that's just like a... I, don't, I, I guess I just have an aversion to like gun-related content at all. Um, but I mean, it's fine. It, it was a minor shit. Minor shit. Mm-hmm. Not even really a shit. Just a... Uh, like a general discomfort. I feel you. Um, I had a hit... From the Incubator Crossword, August 13th, Rearrangements by Kate Hawkins. And this puzzle was fun. There were a lot of good ones. But one that I like, this is like the type of clue that I chuckle at. Nine across, messing around on set, question mark. It was Deborah, Like Deborah messing. <gasps> oh, very uh, nice. Yeah, but they also had a fun theme here. I'm just going to read one of them. But... Um, at first, I had no idea what they were talking about, but I figured it out. So 37 across, smash the patriarchy or wretched styles, question mark. And the answer was pathetic Harry. So pathetic Harry is a ju- if you jumble around the patriarchy, the word. Oh. Pa- and then wretched styles, styles is capitalized. So Harry Styles from formerly from One Direction, now a Very nice. solo artist. But another example was screw the gender binary or devastating farewell. And it was heart ending goodbye or sorry, heart ending, heart rending bye, which if you, uh, you know, move that around, it spells the gender binary. So Very anyways, nice. took me a long time to figure out what the heck was going on. Like, Embarrassed to say, but I ended up getting it and I did enjoy it. Very nice. Speaking of themes that we've liked, um, the Wednesday, August 19th, New York Times by Brendan Copey. Uh, the theme was really interesting. Um, it's kind of, uh, I'm going to do my best to describe it to you. Basically, the perimeter of the grid, which is a square, if you do crosswords, you know this, um, was a series of interconnected phrases clued as four-letter answers. So, like, these phrases make up either compound words or are just two uh word phrases i'll give you some examples so one across was with five across means of survival and the answer was life with five across was with nine across place to yacht shop so five across was boat so it would be life boat okay and then Mm -hmm. the next one nine across with 16 down decisive confrontation and the answer for nine across was show so the place so the means of survival is a life boat and then the place to yacht shop is boat show. 
And then a decisive confrontation is show down. And it goes all the way around the board and it ends with 27 down with one down company named for two magazines, Time Life. So it kind of like did all the way around the board. I really liked that. Wow. I didn't have no idea how long that would take to make work. Right. Agreed. Um, So that was fun. Uh, Yeah. I also really liked the theme from the Sunday, August 16th, New York Times by Francis Heaney. You did a little bit of this. We kind of Mm -hmm. like virtually did this one. Um, The theme was basically alternative cinemas or alternative um, movie titles. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, basically famous movies are clued as alternative titles for other famous movies. Here's an example. 23 Across. Alternative title for The Dirty Dozen was 12 Angry Men. Two separate movies, but their titles are interchangeable for the plots of either movie, which I think was fun. Or alternative title for Cleopatra, The African Queen. Alternative title for Titanic, Watership Down. You get the yeah. the gist. Um, I thought that was fun. Another cool one from that pu- from that puzzle was... Oh, I just scrolled... 56 across, Monopoly token elected by an internet vote. And the answer was cat. We talked about Monopoly on episode 54 and like how we were kind of shocked about how the Monopoly tokens have changed over time. And I did not mm-hmm. realize that cat was voted like by an internet poll as like a new token in Monopoly. Interesting. That makes sense. The internet does like cats a lot. It does. Oh, here's an, not a shit conversation starter from that puzzle. I was just kind of like, huh? 91 down. Soothing summer soak. The answer uh, was, it's eight letters. So the answer was cold bath. Oh, right. I remember that one. Do you soothingly cold bath yourself no, in the summer? That's like what athletes do. I guess if, I mean, actually, when I didn't have AC, I did, would take a freezing shower and then I would put baby powder all over myself and sleep on my, on one single sheet on my bed, like a starfish. <laughs> It was extremely hot. Yeah. Like when I was in New Orleans and it was like 95 degrees, 100% humidity for five days straight and the place we were staying did not have air conditioning, you'd wake up, take an ice cold shower, you step out of the shower and you're sweating already. And it's just like, but yeah, I guess if you don't have AC, maybe you do yeah. cold baths. Yeah. Um, but it sounds terrible. It, I would not do it now that I have a window unit. It's terrible. Uh, what else you got? Um, I just liked this example. We talk about like meme cluing and how it's usually grumpy cat or something really old which or doge yeah grumpy cat isn't that old but in internet culture if it's like two years old then it's ancient Mm -hmm. but a good example of a current meme clue was from the usa today crossword uh by stella zawistowski 42 on august 18th 42 across the term galaxy brain originated from one you know like the memes where it's like the person's head is exploding yeah no that was that was a good one yeah so I was happy to see that. And I also liked the USA Today, sorry, August 22nd puzzle um, by Evan Kalish, 20 across. Probably the reason all these boys got crushes in a little mama hit. Lip gloss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. My lip gloss be popping. My lip gloss be cool. All the boys keep stopping. They chase me after school. I think Mac, so. Mac L'Oreal, yep, because I'm worth it. Uh, the way you put it on, so perfect. Anyway, I used to know every single line to that song. <laughs> Apparently. Um, I went through um, a lips, lip gloss phase. Okay. Thank you, little mama. <laughs> Did you do the Wednesday New Yorker puzzle? No, I didn't. That I'm was like... an Amy Lucido. Oh, okay. I, th- I didn't do any of the other New Yorkers, but when I saw it was Amy, I was like, of course I have to do it. And I wasn't going to put anything in from that because you and I are always like, we love Amy's puzzles yeah. so much. But I had to. Some of these were really cool. Um, I liked this one. 
11 down, the parent trap style trick. And the answer is switcheroo. Ooh, very good. 24 down, like a lot of words on Jerry Springer. Bleeped out. (laughs) Or 28 across display of derision sometimes. Slow clap. That was good. Or, and this was cool, 25 down, Parasite Director. The answer is Bong Joon-ho. If you haven't seen Parasite, go watch Parasite. But it was a Parasite kind of week because there's three Parasite clues across all the puzzles I did this week. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one from the Monday USA Today, um, August 17th, Eric Agard, 19 across, 2019 film with a metaphorical rock, Parasite. And then uh, Tuesday, USA Today by Stella. 64 across Parasite star blank Kang Ho, and the answer was song. So, I mean, if this is telling me anything, it's telling me that people need to just rewatch or watch for the first time Parasite. So, I have a question though. In Eric's uh, clue, it said 2019 film with a quote metaphorical rock. Why did he put metaphorical in quotes? You know, I didn't even think about it. That's a great question. <laughs> I'll, I'll send him a, a Twitter DM. You he'll, be like, he'll be like, please leave me alone. I'm extremely busy. <laughs> um, well, from that uh, puzzle, the Eric puzzle on USA Today, I also liked, I felt like this one was very timely. 11 down, gets ready to talk on a conference call. It was unmute. Unmute. <laughs> yes, that's so good. You got to mute yourself. Otherwise, I hear you breathing and, you know, smacking your lips together and drinking out of your ice cold water bottle. Yeah, so. I was on mute when we started this call today, and uh, Grace laughed, uh, yelled at me. She was like, "Why did I, I yell at you? I just I can't hear you. You couldn't hear me. Oh no, I guess you could hear me. <laughs> I just said I couldn't hear you." Um, Grace, you know I'm dramatic. I like mm-hmm. to make things more dramatic than they are. Um, that's all I have. There, I did a lot of puzzles this week, but I had to like condense down to this. Yes, yeah, that's all I got too. So should we flip? I guess we should flip. Flipperoo, flipperoo, switcheroo. Aha ha. Okay. Flipping the coin now. <gasps> it's Tails. That's me. It's Grace. Okay, my topic is from the USA Today crossword from August 22nd by Evan Kalish. And it is seven down. Robotics engineer Barbie EG. And the answer is doll. So oh. the clue is not actually that hard of a clue, but okay. I'm talking about Barbie. Whoa, what a great topic. I was, for some reason, I felt like we had talked about this before, but we hadn't. We, we definitely need to make a list of all our topics because it's getting it's, hard to remember now. It is getting very difficult. I, we should make a spreadsheet. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> um, so Barbie, there is so much to cover with Barbie. So I cannot go into like every iteration Barbie has made. She has like movies and books and all this bullshit. But um, I'm going to talk about <laughs> how she started and like some of her controversy, especially how it relates to race and body image. Yes. And all that good stuff. So let's do it. Let's start back in the day. Do you know when Barbie came around? I would guess the 40s. No, 1959. Close, so. Okay. Okay, so Barbie was created by a woman named Ruth Handler. Ruth and her husband found Mattel 15 years earlier. So Barbie was not Mattel's first thing, although it is by far their most successful product today. Sure. So Ruth got the idea for Barbie after seeing her daughter, Barbara, play with paper dolls for hours. And she realized that there was a need for 3D dolls that, you know, girls could dress up and also, quote, allow little girls to imagine the future. So that was kind of the point, her vision for Barbie, was that Barbie could show girls that they had options and they could do whatever they wanted to do. Whether it was successful in that, 
We'll see. We'll so, see. okay. Ruth bought the right to build Lily. Build Lily is a German doll that was based off a sexy comic book character for adults. Okay. <laughs> so, Build Lily was, like, the original Barbie is what she kind of, okay. you know, used to, like, build a prototype off of. So, Build Lily was originally supposed to be a gag gift for men, but in Germany, like, kids started playing with them, so they became more popular, like, among children. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was special about Build Lily was that she had three patents that were new in doll making that we okay. see in Barbie today. So, the head and neck were not one form connected with a seam at the shoulders, but the seam was in the middle of the neck behind the chin. So, you know, like, Barbie's head is on her neck. Yep. Um, the hair was not rooted, but it was a cutout scalp that was attached by a hidden metal screw. And I don't think that that's how Barbie is today. But I would, yeah, I don't the think first so. One but is, yeah. Interesting. And the legs did not sprawl out when she was sitting, which, you know, Barbie keeps her legs together in that <laughs> yes. famous point, uh, toe point, which we'll talk about. Okay, so Ruth first came across this doll when she was vacationing in Switzerland in 1956. And, you know, she knew that this was, like, the type of doll that she needed for what she wanted to do. She thought the doll could be used to, like, dress up in clothing and also hold, like, adult roles and careers. Sure. Um, Because it wasn't, like, a baby doll, you know? Yeah, yeah, I feel like a lot of dolls were baby dolls, but Barbie was an adult. Right. How similar does this, you know, German doll look to, like, you know, the early Barbies? Um, She looks kind of similar. Definitely different. Not, like, you know, the original Barbie... Uh, she looked like a 50s pinup doll, kind of. Yeah, Because that right. was, like, the style at the time. Right. Um, like, the the build Lily wore, like, you know, more scandalous clothing. Although the original Barbie was wearing a zebra, like, a strapless zebra one-piece swimsuit. So, <laughs> there is that. Um, okay, so the OG Barbie debuted at the American Toy Fair in New York City in 1959. And Ooh. she was based off of that 1950s glamour, like Elizabeth Taylor, Marilyn Monroe type. Nice. She had red lips, black eyeliner, and perfectly arched eyebrows. Of course. And her eyes also were to the side. She had kind of like this coy look to the side as if she was like, oh. you know, kind of looking. So she was like kind of sexy. Okay, yes. A little bit. In its first year, 300,000 Barbie dolls were sold. They went for $3, which today would be $25, so not that cheap. Wow, no. Um, but a first edition Barbie doll today can be sold for more than $25,000. So if you know oh, anyone who has them. Oh, my God. I wish I did. Um, and if you didn't catch this, Barbie is named after Ruth's daughter, Barbara. Okay. And two years later, Ken Carson came on the scene, and Ken is named after Ruth's son, Ken. Okay. Ken and Barbie are dating. I don't know what that's Whatever. about, but I could see. The son was like, okay, so you've created this iconic doll named after my sister, and what do I get? Nothing. <laughs> you get to be the male sex, a sex accessory. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so in like the ni- in 1960s, Barbie was kind of, or from her arrival on the scene, she was kind of criticized as being like too sexy and a sex okay. symbol. So in 1963, in response to that, I don't know how. Barbie created Midge Hadley, who was Barbie's best friend. And I think Midge is supposed to be, like, homely looking. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. Of course. I mean, she's still pretty because she's a doll. Yeah. But or I, I don't know if maybe it was like, oh, no, Barbie is not just for Ken. Like, she has friends, too. Right. Um, and then a year later, Barbie's first little sister was announced, Skipper Roberts. Okay. So Skipper was, like, the middle sister. And then Kelly is the littlest sister. Okay. I was going to say, because I remember Kelly from yeah. my Kelly childhood. Had- Kelly is now Chelsea, though, by the way. Really? Yeah, they changed her name. I don't know why. Spell it the way I spell it? I think so. <gasps> oh, my God. It's, oh, my God, destiny. 
I liked the Kelly dolls too, though. I mean, I liked yeah. all Barbies. Um, Agreed. Actually, what? So I played with Barbies when I was really little. I was definitely into Barbies. I had like, I mean, none of them ever had clothes, but I really liked the miniature ones, like the Kellys, because I liked all things miniature. I eventually like grew out of Barbie. I never okay, got into like yeah. the movies or anything, but I definitely watched the movies. Um, I had the Barbie dream boat. I had the Barbie dream house. Um, oh my gosh. with the elevator that worked can okay. i come over uh yes we actually right now i did have a barbie dream house because i remember some someone like gave it someone's kid who grew out of it gave it to me so i did mm-hmm. have a barbie dream house i got most of my barbie stuff hand like secondhand because yeah you know whatever but the barbie dreamboat i got for christmas one year when i was really young and you could it had like a pool in the back so like you could have your barbie's boat oh i think i remember that yeah it's pretty cool super bougie before i Um, even knew what bougie was (laughs) yeah but i do find it interesting so most of my barbies were white with blonde hair some of my kelly's i had one like hispanic kelly and then some i have some other dolls with like darker hair and then Mm -hmm. i have i had a pocahontas one Mm -hmm. but the majority of them were you know the typical white blonde barbie yeah, Which I think I'll, I had I'll maybe one that was tanner. I, I don't remember. I don't know if it was Hispanic or just like, this is the Barbie that was is beach Barbie. So she's tan. Yeah. I don't know. But most um, of them are white. Yeah. I also remember I got the Spice Girl Barbies and those were so freaking <gasps> oh cool. I am so jealous of you. Yeah, they were the best. But I remember like being so like enamored by them because they were you know there's scary spice and she is black and she has Mm -hmm. like this awesome hair with the two little buns on top Mm -hmm. and then sporty spice had like her she had long black hair and a high ponytail but she had like a tattoo and a gold tooth i mean they looked like the actors playing so it was like it was fun to have barbies that were you know a little bit more diverse yeah different yeah edgier in ways i've never seen barbie before because also the spice girl barbies had like the best clothes ever of course um okay but anyway so Back to original Barbie when she first came out. We're going to get, I'm going to get into like the controversy of Barbie. And let me tell Let's you, there's it. a lot. I'm not even going over every dumb thing that they've done. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they do have a little bit of a redemption at the end, kind of. We'll talk about it. But okay. okay. So uh, in 1963, Barbie Babysits was released. She came with a number of accessories, including a baby in a crib, a telephone, a few bottles of soda, and a book. The book was called How to Lose Weight. And on the back, it said, Don't Eat. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? I'm, like, acting surprised, but I'm also not surprised at all. Again, this was, like, the early 1960s, so. Yeah. Was it controversial then? Yes. Well, yes, people were upset about it. But despite the backlash, in 1965, two years later, the book was included as an accessory for Sleepover Barbie. Oh, my God. But it gets worse. So Sleepover Barbie also came with a scale that was permanently set to 110 pounds. Okay, and let's remember that Barbie's supposed to be a grown woman, and, like, if you ratio her out, she's, like, 5'9". Yeah, of course. Yeah. I remember wow. in middle school, we had to do this assignment that we had to, you know, like, measure Barbie or get Barbie's measurements and then scale her to be the size, like, what she would be if she was a real human, and her neck was, like, a foot long. Like, her, oh her de- yeah. ratio is all messed up. All sorts of effed. Yeah. Okay. In 1967, Mattel debuted Colored Francie. What? Yeah. They called Again. her Colored Francie? Yes, this was 1967. Yeah. Oh. Okay. She was the first black doll to enter Barbie's network of friends. So Barbie had other friends at this point. But in 1967, she got her first black friend. Both Francie and Christy, who came out a year later, were manufactured with dark skin, but they had the same mold that was used for 
Caucasian Barbie, meaning all of the dolls had the exact same facial features. They just had different skin colors. Gotta love it. Yeah. Um, in 1970, this is like more of the Barbie we know today, uh, Ma- Malibu Barbie was born. So she has like a more natural approach. She's not wearing the heavy like pinup makeup. Um, she has an open smile and her eyes faced forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malibu Barbie also projected an empowered and relaxed persona and feminists at the time were happy about that. They're happy about her eyes facing forward. That's good. <laughs> what they're fine for at the time. Right. Um, Okay, but then in the mid-70s, they released a doll called Growing Up Skipper. Okay, so Skipper was Barbie's younger sister. We talked about, Mm -hmm. like, the middle-aged sister. And Growing Up Skipper was supposed to represent the physical change from girl to woman. So by rotating Growing Up Skipper's arms, children could watch her torso lengthen and her breasts protrude, thus increasing her bra size. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. I actually think... A I can doll. understand the intention behind that, but, yeah. like... A doll that, like, shows puberty, I, I feel like can, you know, could be useful for sure. Right. But I don't know if grown-up Skipper is the <laughs> right way to... Although, yeah. let me tell you, if that doll was around when I was that age, I would have 100% wanted it. Wanted yes. it. For yes. For sure. Well, I really wanted that doll that grew... The baby that grew up. You had it, like, as a baby, and then it could grow into, like, a two-year-old toddler. Do you remember that? There was infomercials for it no, all the a time. A Barbie or a random... Just, like, a baby doll. Okay. Dude, but, like, I loved that s- idea. Well, I had a Barbie that was pregnant. And she yes, had, I remember like, that was controversial. And you could take her belly off and there was, like, a baby inside. Chrissy, yep. I believe, is the baby's yep. name. I don't yep. know why I know that. That's not come up with my research, <laughs> but I remember that. Okay. So, growing up Skipper did not go over well and she was discontinued. Um, okay. So, then in 1979, 10 years after Barbie's black friend Francie was introduced, the company released the first official Barbies in black and Hispanic varieties. So... I was, like, kind of confused about this. I didn't I, – I knew that there were – Barbie had friends of all different races, but there are – there is black Barbie and Hispanic Barbie, and she is, okay. like, supposed to be Barbie. Okay. Um, and I believe – I don't know if they still do this, but they would call them on the package, like, black Barbie or, you know, Hispanic right. Barbie, which – right. I, I don't think they do that anymore. It's no. like, just call her Barbie. People can see what she looks right. like. Right, they can pick what variety they want. Yeah. Yeah. So that was in 1979. Um, and then in 1981, they released Oriental Barbie. Oh, So God. there's that. Yeah. Again, this was like the 80s, so things were, were different then, but oh, yeah. still. Mm-hmm. Okay. But also oh, in the God. 80s, it was a time in American history when a lot of women were joining the workforce. So this is when Barbie kind of like started taking up all these careers. So 1980s saw the introduction of Dr. Barbie, Astronaut Barbie, Pilot Barbie, mm-hmm. Day to Night Barbie, uh, which came out in 1985, <laughs> uh, which was some people call it the yuppie Barbie. So she had like oh office God. accessories and then an evening gown she could change into, oh my God. Um, oh my you know, God. after oh my work God. to go out yep. in the city. Like young urban do. professionals. Oh my yep. God. Let's we do have it. to bring our evening gowns to work so that we yep. can go out after. <laughs> okay. So then in the 90s, she started off on a good foot in the 90s. In 1992, okay. she ran for president, which I will talk about later. Okay. Um, Barbie. But then it really, like, went downhill from there. I remember so many Barbie controversies yeah. from our childhood. The pregnancy one, I re- remember specifically, like, on all these talk shows, like, on the radio, just people complaining about the pregnancy one. And I'm sure you're going to talk about more, but, like, I remember well, there being the so many one, things. In my opinion, isn't even that bad. Like, No, I, you know, I thinking back to it kids, now, but I just remember people talking about it. Yeah. I, I feel like, well, people would get mad about stupid stuff like that. But, um, I mean, I don't know. Okay. In July 1992, Mattel released a Barbie doll that could talk back. 
She had a little voice box inside her. Interesting. She's called Teen Talk Barbie. Uh, she had 270 programmable phrases, but each Barbie came with like maybe 10, five to 10 phrases or whatever. And they each had like a different mix. So you wouldn't necessarily have the same one that your friend had. But some of the phrases were, I love shopping and math class is tough. Oh my God. Um, and some other ones that were like kind of problematic. So yeah. there was public criticism from the American Association of University Women and they removed the math class is tough line um you know because of the way the dolls were created only about two percent had that line in it but the people who had bought those dolls could get it replaced for free oh so wow very nice (laughs) um okay i'm gonna take mine in for replacement now actually in 1997 mattel launched something called the oreo fun barbie so this is good for any crossword constructors out there that need a clue for oreo okay i love this yeah so this was you won't later. Okay. Oh, this is a partnership. Okay, we well, you'll see. This is a partnership <laughs> with Nabisco, and it was meant to be a doll that you could, like, eat Oreos with, whatever. Oh, I thought you were going to say you could eat the doll. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> they, like, had Oreo clothing, whatever. Okay. They probably, and they came with, like, little Oreos. So there was a white and black version of Oreo Fun Barbie, but this caused an outcry in the black community because Oreo is a, uh, like, derogatory word that means, like, oh, you're black on the outside, but you're white on the inside, and obviously that is problematic for many reasons. So the dolls were, like, pulled from all the shelves um, and is now one of the most sought-after collector's items. But I think this is one of those things that shows that you need to have diverse people in your upper management to tell you, no, don't do that. Hello, beep, beep, That's beep. Like, yeah. <laughs> Pepsi's like weird campaign with oh Kendall Jenner. You know, if they yeah. had someone being like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. Someone could have right. told them like, hey, you shouldn't have like a black Oreo Barbie because it doesn't come across well. Because, because, because. Yeah. Okay. Then in the 90s, they came out with a share a smile Becky doll. Becky was in a wheelchair, a pink wheelchair. The issue was that the wheelchair could not fit in Barbie's elevator in her dream house, and it also could not fit in the, like, it means she couldn't ride in Barbie's cars. Oh, Um, But I believe they did change, they did fix it. So they created them so the elevators could be wheelchair accessible. Oh, my God. Okay. So then in the 2000s, (laughs) this is, yeah. yeah. Okay. And you're not even covering, like, nearly all of them i'm sorry go ahead although i I do have to say like barbie at the time like i'm trying to it's hard to like take stuff out of context they were doing some you know progressive things at the time sure sure but i think a lot of things could have been avoided had they had more diversity in their like creative teams and stuff a lot of things could be avoided yeah okay so then in 2000 things starting to get marginally better right in 2016 not that long ago, Barbie fashionistas were introduced, and okay. they come in four body types, seven skin tones, 22 eye colors, and 24 hairstyles. Wow. Um, what 22 eye colors and only seven skin tones? <laughs> what are the 22 eye colors? I don't understand. <laughs> like, does she have red eyes? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so she, you know, comes in all these different skin tones and different hairstyles, uh, and she also got bendable ankles so she what? can wear flats. Because, wow. you know, a big issue with Barbie is that... Um, she only wears heels. Yeah, and her toes are pointed. She cannot stand on her own. And she can't wow. stand on her own in her heels. So Could you imagine playing with a Barbie with flat feet? That's just... It'd be weird. I mean, it's, it's fine. Weird. But it just feels, like, so unnatural thinking about the Barbies yeah. that we had. And that was in 2016. So not that long wow. ago that they did that. Okay. Wow. So another new range of Barbie dolls launched with the hashtag, The Doll Evolves. Um, okay, what does so that mean? <laughs> this was all about <laughs> Barbie's, like, body image, 
you know, it was a response okay. to people saying, like, she's unrealistic. Um, so there are three new body shapes, petite, tall, and curvy. Why they need a... I feel like Barbie's already tall. Barbie is already yeah. massively tall. <laughs> well, she she's 5'9". So she's, she's a giant. Like a giant, but still. What, is it, what does Nikki say? She's a mammoth, obviously. <laughs> Wait, Do you know what? that? No. From what? There's a TikTok sound where, like, Nicki Minaj is talking about being a character in like the new ice age but people take it out of context and they're like they're like me talking about i don't know my dog she's a mammoth obviously but like she's literally talking about her character who is a literal mammoth mammoth. anyway continue (laughs) um okay so yeah they have she comes in all different body shapes and they can be mixed and matched with a number of skin tones eye colors and hairstyles so is this like something you order online you can like customize it sort of like american girl doll I'm not sure. For sure, you can do it online. I'm not sure what the in-store uh, situation okay. is, but Interesting. I will kind of talk about that a little bit. So, in 2018, Mattel released a new Inspiring Women collection that features three groundbreaking history-making women, Amelia Earhart, Frida Kahlo, and Katherine Johnson. Nice. Um, <clears throat> okay. But what I wanted to talk about with Barbie's diversity is that even though Barbie has taken steps to diversify their dolls which is it's a good step forward, it still feels like white is the default. And this is also the opinion that I found online. Yeah. Um, everything else is kind of an alternative. Like there's Barbie and then there's black Barbie, you know? Right, exactly. And I was look. I was reminded, I was looking, so like I said, or I don't know if I mentioned this, my niece really likes my Kelly dolls. She's at my parents' house right now and she started playing with them. So I was looking online to see if I could find any like Kelly play sets mm-hmm. to, you know, go with her like a camper or you know a kitchen a schoolroom, whatever they have all types of stuff mm-hmm. and play sets usually come with a doll and mm-hmm. when i was looking online I, I was specifically looking for one that came with a darker skin doll like a black doll or a hispanic doll because like i said most of the kelly's that i have are all white mm-hmm. um and it was hard they didn't all like most of them came with the blonde barbie Right. As the default doll. And right. I found this same sentiment shared online. People said in stores, it's the same thing. It's, you know, and, and the like, if you're a parent and your kid has Barbies and you're buying all these play sets, you just start accumulating all of these blonde Barbies. And that's why everyone has like a million blonde Barbies. Right. So it's like, while Barbie is taking steps to diversify its dolls, it's not making it easy for like sure. parents to buy. So I, I think you can, you know, your kids can play with Barbies in a, you know, healthy way i guess but it's like you have to go out of your way to make it diverse as opposed to some other dolls like bratz dolls oh my um, god they they were doing it right yeah well or the, you know uh, they probably had some sort of controversy but like from the beginning i feel like they yeah. were much more diverse they were diverse of course they still had like unrealistic bodies and they had no feet but they could stand <laughs> on their feet because their their feet were their shoes you would like to change their shoes you also had to change their feet if you don't if you've never seen a brat if you before. don't know now you know but brat dolls yeah brat dolls came out they hit the scene it was four of them and i think only one of them was white there was like hispanic asian black it was amazing um, and they had like you know big lips and they wore like cool makeup amazing makeup and like you wonder why basically the style they, for yeah. millennials now is Bratz dolls from they the look 90s. Like so Instagram baddies. Um, but <laughs> yeah, something else so I found on, online, the LOL surprise dolls. I think that's like newer. Those are also like diverse dolls from the get-go. Granted, Barbie came out a long time ago when, you know, all Bratz and LOL surprise came out more recently. But sure. Um, still, I think the issue with Barbie is like, yes, they have ma- t- taken steps in the right direction, but they still make it hard to get diverse Barbies. You're right. And I think too, like, 
it's because Barbie's been around for so long, it has like this like cultural momentum behind it that imagine like if Mattel was like, you know what? No, these criticisms are true, which they are. Like yeah. we need to be more diverse with our packaging. We need to kind of make um, people of color or Barbies more in the forefront, in the foreground. And maybe if they just started leading with black or Latino or Asian Barbies, you know, the, uh, the outrage I feel from people who are like used to white blonde barbie and white mm-hmm. brown haired ken like they would flip flip a nut they would flip a nut whereas like these newer you know toys have a much easier time introducing diversity because they don't yeah, have they that don't cultural have this, weight like, yeah that's true. which is very sad um okay and then these are just some other barbie like fun facts i guess Do so Bar- barbie first made for president in 1992 and she's run every year since except for 1996 she took a break off okay. the election and like each time <laughs> the first time she ran she came with like a american flag ball gown oh, but then after that God. she's she got like er, but that one did come with a like red power suit she could change into Amazing. but then after that she came in like suits and stuff um in let's see in 2012 she came with uh wedge heels instead of her regular heels so she nice. could stand on her own two feet very that was nice the president barbie is the first one that was Love able it. to stand on her own two feet um in 2016 she finally got a running mate who is also a woman and then she's not running in 2020 which is okay. great because we don't need any confusion on the ballot <laughs> no 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 <laughs> um and then do you remember in 2004 barbie and ken broke up <gasps> i very vaguely remember this yes, yes. this was and like a big minute yeah, so this was a time when a lot of celebrities were breaking up, namely, like, Britney and Justin. Oh so God, they, yes. they had an amicable separation. Barbie got to keep the dream house because it was always in her name. Um, but after a seven-year breakup, they did get back together. So they are back together, if you're wondering. I actually love this yeah. for them. They, like, left each other to find themselves, and they came mm-hmm. back better people. This is it's exactly true. what I needed to hear today. Um, okay, there was a totally style and tattoos Barbie that came yes. out. Yes. I and remember she, this one. She came. You could put tattoos on her, and then okay. One thing I read said that she came with a back tattoo, a lower back tattoo that said Ken. And I saw a picture of it, but I can't tell if it's real or not. Okay. I okay. didn't. I only saw one picture of it. But however, people complained about that. Yep. Obviously, I remember this being a big yes. controversy too. Um, but then in 2011, a Barbie with even more elaborate tattoos across her neck, chest, and arms and shoulders were launched. Um, in partnership with LA fashion company Toki Doki, but that was more for adults. Okay. Like very limited amount were made, and it was sure. for adults. More but like collectors. Yeah, but if you want like a tat- tatted up Barbie, um, it does exist. Okay, and then this was like a nice thing to end on. Mattel produced a bald friend of Barbie named Ella, and she was created to help young girls with cancer. Only a limited amount were made, and they were distributed directly to hospitals. Um, in 2014, there was a petition to get them to produce more, and Mattel agreed to produce more Ella Barbie dolls. Amazing. That's great. Yeah. And that's it. That's that on that. If you haven't heard of Barbie's blog, or sorry, vlog, video blog, you can go and find that on YouTube. She does some really great, like... Yeah. She actually does talk about, like, serious topics, like depression and... One of the... I think the one that kind of shot her to, you know, fame... to, to older people, not just for young girls, yeah. was Barbie talking about, like, why do I say sorry for things that I, I haven't done anything wrong? Like, stop saying sorry so much. Like, that's the thing that, like, women and young girls are kind of taught to be more amenable and, you know, accommodating. And they apologize mm-hmm. for things that, like, you didn't do anything. You literally didn't do anything and you're apologizing for not doing anything. And not even, like, didn't do anything wrong. You just didn't do anything. Yeah. Sometimes I catch myself in an email being like... Sorry to bother you, but oh, I like, know I, I start my emails with sorry, then I go back and erase them. Yeah, exactly. And so I really liked that 
vlog from Barbie. Would recommend it for anybody who's listening. Yeah. yeah so like I said, they are making good steps, but yeah. I also loved Brat Styles, man. When they hit the scene, everything changed. Everything changed. I never got into Bratz because by the time they came out, I wasn't into, like, at that time, I was not into, like, clothes and, okay. and dolls dolls like that. I for um, sure was. Yeah. For sure, still. It was great. Great time mm-hmm. in my life. Um, great topic. I loved it. Thanks. So my topic comes from the Monday, August 17th, USA Today by Eric Agard. And it is from 33 across. Locke with a supposed monster. And the answer is I knew you were going to do this one of these days. (laughs) I was wondering if you would do this actually today. I was like, this could potentially be. It would be one of my... This is like a topic that perfectly intersects both of us because it's like the history and Scotland for you. And it's like the (laughs) monster and like, you know... You don't know me Scariness for me. (laughs) Exactly. You tend to do like a lot of like these like cryptozoology like creatures you know like the kraken Um, which is why i was like maybe she'll do this to kind of continue and you did mermaids like her aquatic beasts Mm -hmm. theme she's got going on but you did not aren't beasts okay they're sexy they are sexy we did learn that they are uh, all of the all of mermaids have come to us because of horny sailors so yes what else do you need um, so yeah, I'm talking about Loch Ness. Uh, we're going to start by talking about the actual lake, or Loch, as they say in Loch, you know, Loch in uh, Scotland. Uh, Loch Ness is a freshwater loch in the Scottish Highlands. It is 23 miles long and two miles wide, and it sits 52 feet above sea level. It is the second largest Scottish loch after Loch Lomond, and it is the second deepest loch after Loch Morar. Um, and then through a series of, like, interconnecting locks, rivers, canals, you can actually go from Loch Ness all the way out to the North Sea, should you so desire. Uh, the water visibility is extremely low. Uh, it actually... Yeah, there's a monster in there. Because there's a monster. It literally looks pitch black. And it's due to this thing that, you know, apparently the Scots call it liquid sunshine, in quotes, which is basically <laughs> rainwater or, like, runoff water that comes down from, like, the surrounding hills into the lock. Uh, The lock is surrounded by, like, peat bogs, so it basically takes the rainwater, turns it black because of the peat, and then goes into the lock, which keeps the water black and dark. So it's just really dirty. Dirty, dirty. One of the coolest facts I found out about the lock uh, ness is it has the largest volume of fresh water in Great Britain with 263 billion cubic feet of water. I cannot even fathom what that means. But, so even though it's not the deepest lake, and even though it's not the largest lake, it has, it is the largest body of water in the UK, okay? Um, It has more water than all the lakes in England and Wales put together. Yeah, so suck on that. Yeah, you friggin' idiots. (laughs) (laughs) And outside of all those really interesting and unique Loch Ness facts. I think the only reason most people give a crap about the lock uh, is because of the potential monster that lives within its depths. Today, the monster is called the Loch Ness Monster, or if you're trying to, you know, get a little affectionate, you can call her Nessie, but... You you named my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster? (laughs) If you get that reference, please DM me. (laughs) Please. I beg you. And don't Google it just to find out where it's from and then use that as an excuse to talk to me. No, no. We need true, true, true fans. fans only, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, you can call her Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, whatever you're feeling. Uh, but the Loch Ness Monster is usually described as being very large, with a very long neck, and a body that has multiple humps that often protrude from the water. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So where does the legend of the Loch Ness Monster begin? So first of all, we have to go all the way back to the first century AD when the Romans arrived in Scotland, okay? And at the time, in the highlands of Scotland, um, there was like a group of people, like a tribe of people called the Picts, P-I-C-T-S, and it comes from the Latin picti, which means like uh, not colored, painted people or tattooed people. Mm -hmm. So they were called the Picts, right? And the Pictish have become known for, like, their art and their metalwork, specifically these things called Pictish stones, which are basically standing stones. Um, And they're, like, a monumental stonework. Uh, Usually these stones were inscribed with drawings, symbols, designs, and some had inscriptions in Old Irish or Pictish languages. Um, It's speculated that the remaining stones, there's, like, approximately 350 that still survive today, um, span pre-Christianization all the way through to the conversion of the Pictish people to Christianity. So you can see some stones lack Christian imagery. Some of them have them. Some have crosses and other sorts of Christian imagery. It's hard to classify what these stones meant to the Pictish people, um, but there are theories that some of these stones were either gravestones or they were acting as personal memorials or like territory markers or symbols. They had like symbols of like various clans who lived in certain areas, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, when the Romans arrived, they found these standing stones with their strange inscriptions, and they learned quickly that the Pictish people were fascinated, or at least found, like, some greater meaning to those animals that lived in the Scottish Highlands with them. A lot of these stones had designs of animals on them, like snakes, salmons, wolves, stags, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there was one animal that continued to make an appearance on these standing stones that was neither lifelike nor recognizable. Hmm. This strange beast looked to have a long beak or snout, flippers instead of feet, and looked similar to how we might picture like a kind of distorted seahorse. Okay. Um, yeah. And some scholars even describe it having the body of like an elephant, but its feet were flippers instead of like elephant toes. Okay, do you mean a seahorse, like an actual horse, the animal, or seahorse, the existing? Seahorse, those like tiny, like little yeah. seahorse things. With yes. the little curly tails? Yes. Similar to that. Um, that's like but the best feet. way. Exactly. That's like the best way that I can describe what this drawing looks like. And mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll share some pictures of it on our Instagram or Twitter or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this beast became known, like, be- came to be known as the Pictish Beast or the Pictish Elephant or the Pictish Dragon. Um, the inscriptions these on these standing stones featuring animals, um, this creature accounts for about 40% of all Pictish animal depictions. Okay. So, so it's like it had to exist then. Why were they obsessed with it? Right. So it's thought to have been of great importance to the Pictish people. But for why? Was it because it was like a political symbol? Was it mm-hmm. like a trot, like a different clan's, like you know, logo? Logo, <laughs> basically. What is the word for that? I don't remember. Um, was it big like within their mythology symbol. or their religion? You know. Yeah. Or maybe it's because it was real. <gasps> okay. So essentially, the Pictish beast is like the earliest known evidence 
that there was some sort of aquatic beast lumbering around in the Scottish Highlands for the last 1,500 years, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Which brings me to some other aquatic creatures in Scottish folklore, which, in my opinion, are similar enough to the Pictish Beast that I think they are potentially all interconnected. Okay. So, first one, Kelpies. I feel like every mythology we've talked about to this point has some version of a Kelpie. Um, It's basically like a shape-shifting water spirit. You talked about this in um, your Mermaids episode where we talked about like the Russian ones. I forget what they're Mm -hmm. called. Um, So the Kelpies are usually described as a black horse-like creature able to adopt human form. And anytime a human would like come across this Kelpie, the Kelpie would devour it. Cool. Then there's this other one, which is really interesting. The Yak Ishke is what it's called. And it is, again, another water spirit that is taking on a horse form similar to a Kelpie, but much more vicious. It's a shapeshifter. It will either disguise itself as a pony, a horse, a very handsome man, or a <laughs> massive bird of prey. Okay. The birds. If, birds aren't sexy. Right? Just accept it already. They are. Okay. So if a man mounts the Yak Ishke, while it's in its horse form, the man is only safe if they ride the Yak Ishke, like, to the interior of the land, so away from water. However, mm-hmm. at a single glimpse or even smell of water, the Yak Ishke skin becomes adhesive, and the creature immediately goes into the deepest parts of the lock to drown their victim. And after mm-hmm. the victim is drowned, it will tear the victim apart, eat the entire body except for the liver which they send back to the surface to float and land, like, on the shore. Okay, so just, like, don't mount a random horse, then, in your Gucci. Right, which the whole, like, glimpse of water or smell of water made me think of H2O. Clear! Clear! <laughs> Again, only true fans, okay? Um. <laughs> no, clear, the condensation! You wouldn't get it, listeners. Okay, so that's enough of H2O references. Uh, one of the earliest written references linking any of these aquatic monsters to Loch Ness specifically, because there's like many references of Kelpies and Yakishkes like throughout folklore. But the first time it was actually mentioned in relation to Loch Ness comes from the biography of St. Columba, who was the guy who introduced Christianity to Scotland in 565 AD. Thanks a lot, Columba. So, Columba was on his way to visit a Pictish king, probably to try to convert him and his people. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he stopped along the shore of the Loch Ness. He witnessed a large beast about to attack a man swimming in the lake. So Columba raised his hand, invoked the name of God, and commanded the monster to flee, which the monster did, and the swimmer was saved. Okay. So then, that's like the first written, you know, like, Mm-hmm. There's okay, a monster but do you believe him? I feel like he just used it as a story to get these people to convert to Christianity. I 100% think he used it to get these people like, to convert about, to Christianity. Where's the swimmer? Where's yeah. his version of the Yes, yeah. of course. Like, I need firsthand uh, account from him. They don't have it. They don't have it. Um, but that's enough of St. Columba. We're going to fast forward to the 20th century, 1933 to be exact. We're at Loch Ness, Okay. A brand new road has been constructed along the shore of Loch Ness, making it more accessible for people to travel to and offering the first clear view of the northern side of the lake. It's said that a local couple was driving home on this new road when they witnessed a, quote, enormous animal rolling and plunging on the surface of the loch. 
they sold their story to the Inverness Courier, whose editor used the word monster to describe the animal. Thus, the Loch Ness Monster was born. Wait, sorry, what year was this? 1933. Okay. Okay. Uh, and after this, like, initial account, the Loch Ness Monster basically became a massive media phenomenon. Like, it yeah. became, like, a huge media frenzy, right? Uh, another couple that same year claimed to see a massive creature on land walking across the shore road. That October, several London newspapers sent correspondents to Scotland to investigate the monster. A British circus offered a uh, £20,000 reward for capturing the beast. Um, and then that December, the Daily Mail hired an actor, film director, and big game hunter named Marmaduke Weatherall Re- Weatherell, to track Wait, he's down an the actor, beast. actor, film director, and big game hunter? He's a yes. perfect man for the job. He's perfect. And the Daily Mail knew it. So they hired him. They sent him up to Scotland. And they were like, find the damn beast and bring it home, buddy. So Weatherall, Weatherell, also known, I will occasionally call him Marmaduke, uh, mm-hmm. Reported finding footprints of a large four-toed animal, which he estimated to be 20 feet long. He made plaster casts of the footprints and sent them off to the Natural History Museum in London for analysis. This only created more frenzy. So the area around Loch Ness became, like, completely packed and full with tourists and, like, monster hunters looking to either spot the beast or capture it. Okay. Sadly, the museum announced that the footprints belonged to a hippopotamus, probably, Probably made from, like, a stuffed hippo's foot used as, like, an umbrella stand or an ashtray. Um, And then, like, this incident specifically tainted the image of the Loch Ness Monster and essentially discouraged any serious investigation into her existence for the time being. Mm -hmm. So, regardless of the legitimacy of Marmaduke's investigation, from the years 1933 to the mid-70s, there were over 4,000 sightings of the Loch Ness Monster. Okay, 4,000 recorded sightings. It said that many of these eyewitnesses were, like, supposedly level-headed people, you know, not people prone to flights of fancy. Like, we've talked... Yeah, how many monsters have they sighted? Exactly. Um, So these are, like, lawyers and priests, scientists, I'm sorry, I don't trust any of those occupations. (laughs) I agree. agree. (laughs) A school teacher. (laughs) All right, I'll take the school teacher. Even, Grace, Grace Ella, a Nobel Prize recipient... One, for what though? One Some doctor, <laughs> one doctor Richard Singh, nineteen fifty-two Nobel Prize in Chemistry. Okay, okay. sounds legit. Sounds legit. Um, in the nineteen fifties, there was a doctor named Constant White. Uh, she began collecting like all of these eyewitness accounts, right, and sketches from people who had said that they saw the monster. She compiled them into a book and published it in nineteen fifty-seven. It was called More Than Legend, uh, and as a result, multiple investigations were then launched. Uh, one by the BBC, and then separate investigations by Oxford, Cambridge, and the University of Birmingham. How the University of Birmingham got involved? No idea, but glad Is to have you. Is there a Birmingham in London? I wonder. I Wait, like there, there is. is a Birmingham. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I think there is. This is my American showing. I'm like, Birmingham, Alabama? Why are they? Yeah, I mean, no, I good get... on them. Yeah. Um, involved. Yeah, so the University of Birmingham went up there, and they're like, hey. Hey, y'all. <laughs> How y'all doing? We're here to check out for a Loch Nessie Monster. Uh, up until this point, it was mostly amateurs going out there, you know, monster hunting, you know, trying to find her. They only had, like, binoculars and cameras okay, standing I'm on sorry. the shore. Isn't, aren't all monster hunters amateurs? 
okay, are you calling Oxford and Cambridge and the yeah, University they're, they're of Birmingham? They're not monster hunters. They're just doing it like for fun. But if you want to be an official monster hunter, no one takes you seriously. That's the problem with the field. It's true. It is, it is an extremely yeah. difficult field to find anybody thinking that you're serious. Mm. Okay. So all these universities, they all go up there. Uh, like I said, mostly amateur hunters were using like binoculars, cameras, whatever. These new expeditions were using sonar, however, to search the underwater environment for the first time. So of these four investigations, nothing conclusive was found, though Mm -hmm. apparently each investigation had a sonar operator who detected large underwater moving objects that they couldn't explain. Oh? What is going on? I don't... What is going on down there? I want to know why she's so shy. You know? Like, just come out. Like, hang out. People keep bugging her i know she's like i would have come out if i was her people they're gonna she's gonna get killed and stuffed and put in a museum yeah i know i know okay so then like let's go to the 1970s sonar technology has advanced at this point and the expeditions picked up again uh there's this you know boston-based academy of applied science uh that you know wanted to do an expedition it was led by this lawyer named robert rines and they use this thing called side scan sonar uh, where they would take an underwater camera and they would take photos every 45 seconds with a strobe light illuminating the depths of the bright flash to try and capture a photo of the monster. Oh, God, that'd be so scary to watch in real time. <laughs> I know, right? So, in 1975, the sonar registered a large moving object and the underwater camera took a photo of what looked like flippers on an aquatic creature. Hmm. It's a manatee. Poor it's thing cr- gets... <laughs> You know, it honestly could be a manatee. I, that's one of the things that I did not see uh, people, you know, guesstimating. Do you they have manatees people. in Scotland? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Let us know if you know. <laughs> right? Of course, there were skeptics, as they are usually skeptics in this, like, cryptozoology type fields. Um, had the photo been digitally altered? Uh, was the sonar traces the result of human error? Um, and it didn't help <laughs> that one of Britain's leading naturalists at the time, Sir Peter Scott, claimed that what Rhines had discovered was a plesiosaur, basically like this ancient reptile that had gone extinct over 65 million years ago. And like true zoologists were like, we literally cannot take you seriously. A plesiosaur, honestly. So. Honestly. In the subsequent years, there have been many, many investigations into the depths of Loch Ness. 1987, Operation Deep Scan found three underwater targets they couldn't explain. 1990, BBC sent this guy, Nicholas Witchell, up with a project called Project Urquhart. And they were basically going up to study the, like, geology of the loch. Uh, they had no intentions of monster hunting. Um, but, sure, that's what they all say. Yeah, right. But the sonar operators detected a large, moving underwater target and followed it for several minutes before it disappeared. And in 1997, Robert Rines came back and he conducted another expedition and detected another moving underwater target, which marine biologist Arne Carr called biological in nature, about 15 feet long, the size of a small whale. Okay. okay. I don't know. It's starting to add up to me. I, I think so. So what could Nessie really be? So, like, if you're sitting over there and you're thinking, it's not a frickin' plesiosaur, like Sir Peter Scott, you know, claims. Mm-hmm. What in the world can Nessie be? What are some explanations? Some people think it's a Wells catfish. If you are familiar with catfish at all, catfish are like freaking massive. This type of catfish, this Wells catfish, is like native to Europe. 
and they can grow up to 13 feet long. Apparently, oh, God. I yeah, no, I'm just like massive fish scare the crap out of me. Yeah, They're basically same. dinosaurs. They're basically dinosaurs. Uh, apparently, Victorians used to introduce this type of catfish into like locks to sport fish. Which, so people are like, okay, maybe there's some, like, Wells catfish living in there. And because the, the lake is so deep, like, catfish, like, to kind of, like, hide. They skim the yeah. bottom. Yeah. Okay. And then we have, potentially, the Greenland shark. Jeremy Wade of River Monsters investigated uh, the Loch Ness Monster in 2013 and concluded that the Loch Ness Monster was, in fact, a Greenland shark. Uh, they can grow up to 20 feet in length. Um, and they habit the North American Ocean around Canada, Greenland, Iceway, Nor- Iceland, Norway, and potentially Scotland. It's dark in color and has a small dorsal fin, so that might be like what people are seeing, like as it pops out of the water. Mm-hmm. The most conclusive, you know, explanation that I found was a giant frickin' eel. Okay. Eel. Check, please. <laughs> yeah, right. Check, please. Uh, researchers from New Zealand were trying to catalog all the living species in the loch by extracting DNA samples. They ruled out the presence of any other large animals or monsters or prehistoric marine reptiles. The DNA samples found no traces of sturgeon, which is another massive fish, or catfish either. Though they did just, like, but every single DNA sample basically had some trace of eel DNA in it. And European eels are very common in Loch Ness and, like, most lochs in Scotland. Uh, They actually travel all the way from the Sargasso Sea all the way up to Scotland as babies and then live their adult lives in Scottish rivers and lochs. Here's a quote from one of the scientists. There is a very significant amount of eel DNA. Eels are very plentiful in Loch Ness, with eel DNA found at pretty much every location sampled. There are a lot of them. So, are there giant eels? Well, our data doesn't reveal their size, but the sheer quantity of the material says that we can't discount the possibility that there may be giant eels in Loch Ness. Therefore, we can't discount the possibility that what people see and believe is the Loch Ness Monster might be a giant eel. And I looked up pictures of giant eels. They are freaking massive, first of all. And second of all, they're freaking prehistoric looking, and they honest to God look like, you know, uh monsters like, monsters like dinosaurs you know the, the oh eels? my gosh Ew. yeah you know the eels from little mermaid that like yeah oh what are their names they have cute names too i forget but that's basically what they look like just massive they have like that weird fin at the top you know and they kind of like they're just super wiggly and some of them just have like massive like pouchy faces too oh flat sam and jet sam oh right 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 which, which is are, sometimes a crossword they are blue. they are Okay. Oh, oh no! Yeah, these are gross. They're no really offense, gross. But like, yeah, no. <laughs> not want to be swimming and see this behind me, right? And so this potential that you know they're these massive like pod of tr- giant eels that live in Loch Ness. So, um, and it also would make sense about like why we only see them occasionally because they probably travel like through the rivers, to and from the ocean. You know, mm-hmm. who knows? I I cannot say for sure, but we don't have all the answers here. We never claim we to. We don't. It's true. Okay. Well, what about that famous photo of Nessie? Like, isn't that proof enough that she's real? We've all seen it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the famous photo that we all know of the Loch Ness Monster is actually called, quote, the surgeon's photograph. That's what it's called in the field. Okay. Um, it's reportedly the first photo of the creature, and it shows its head, neck, and, like, its humped back. The photo was supposedly taken by Robert Kenneth Wilson, a London gynecologist, and it was published in the Daily Mail on April 21st, 1934. 
According to Wilson, he was looking at the lock when he saw the monster, grabbed his camera, and snapped four photos. Only two exposures came out clearly. Uh, the first was the one that actually shows the head and the back, um, and it's the photo that we have come to know and love as showing our beautiful Loch Ness Nessie. But since 1994, it's been confirmed that the photo was in fact a hoax. But why would a level-headed, respected gynecologist try to hoax the whole world? So here's the deal. Do you remember Marmaduke Wetherell? Yes. And his hippo footprints? Uh-huh. Okay. After his footprints were revealed to be a hoax by the National History Museum, the Daily Mail, who was the newspaper that initially employed Marmaduke to find the monster in the first place, they essentially ran a smear campaign against him because they were like, F you. Um, and Marmaduke hated this. And I can understand that. I would hate yeah. to be, you know, smeared. Smeared. Hello, it's not his fault. Mail. He was just sending what he found. He's an actor, filmmaker. You know, he's just doing it for the people, okay? Yeah. He knows when he has a good story. And they ruined it. So, it was time for revenge. Marmaduke teamed up with Christian Sperling, who is a sculptor, Ian Weatherell, which was Marmaduke's son, and Maurice Chambers, Marmaduke's insurance agent. A great, great team. This should be they, a movie. This, should, this is actually a really good idea. Uh, they bought a toy submarine, then they took, uh, and then they sculpted the head and neck out of wood putty onto this little submarine. They tested it at a local pond, and then they took it up to Loch Ness, where Ian took the photos. Then they heard a water bailiff approaching, like, on Loch Ness. And so Marmaduke actually sunk the little submarine with his foot. And legend has it that the toy is still at the bottom of the lock to this day. Oh, my gosh. Right? So then Maurice Chambers, the insurance agent, gave the photos to Robert Wilson, who was his friend, uh, the gyno, uh, who apparently loved a good practical joke. Who would have figured? Uh, and Wilson sold the photos to the Daily Mail, and the rest is history. Some, you know... Just because you're a gynecologist doesn't mean you don't like a little prank. <laughs> he has a lot of fun. He's he's a he likes laughs. He's a fun gynecologist. Okay. We have a lot of laughs. Okay. <laughs> um, so that's the the history behind the photo, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, and that's basically all I have about Loch Ness specifically. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to round up my section with this. Who here remembers the Storm Area Fifty One Facebook? page i do i'm the only one here but i do of course okay for those of you who live under a rock storm area 51 they can't stop us all was an american facebook event uh took place september 20th 2019 at area 51 basically the plan was to raid the site in search for extraterrestrial life or any information on aliens that people believe area 51 is hiding Mm -hmm. Um, more than 2 million people responded going and 1.5 million people responded interesting on the events page although i think only like 150 people actually showed up regardless if you, you may have heard of that, but have you heard of Storm Loch Ness? Nessie can't hide from us all. The time is now for us to find that big boy. No, but I okay. please invite me. <laughs> it already happened. Oh. Next time I will invite you. Um, it actually happened September 21st, 2019, 24, after, 24 hours after the raid on Area 51. And it was hosted by a guy named Brian Richard. 27,000 people clicked attending, and 50,000 people clicked interested. And the plan was to get everyone to storm the lock, the logic being that Nessie cannot hide from 27,000 people at once. Mm -hmm. From what I found, not many people showed up. But I did find the original Facebook event, um, and there were some beautiful comments and posts, and I will share a few with you now. Okay. Okay. Quote, do we need a fishing rod, or will they be provided? 
And that was from Stephen Donahue. Stephen, I think you need to bring your own fishing rod. Um, and then this one. Brian Richards says, find that big boy. Nessie's a girl, you fud. <laughs> and uh, that was by Corey Duff McLeod. And the top comment on that one was hashtag gender neutrality. <laughs> uh, another one. Got my diving gear. Ready for everyone else to turn up. Let's get this slippery bastard. <laughs> and that was Matthew Bulbus. And this is from the creator himself of the event. Quote, bad news, guys. I stayed up too late watching Scooby-Doo, trying to perfect my Nessie catching skills and miss my flight. Have fun. Have a fun hunt and everyone be safe. So he didn't even show up. Okay? He was never planning to show he up. He was never planning. He just wanted to do it for the memes, which I can't blame him. I would yeah. also do something like that for the memes. <laughs> we should make up a story about a monster in Lake Michigan. Great idea. I love that. I love that for do, us. Do and I love sculptors? that for Lake Michigan. Do you need yes. sculptors? And is your gynecologist into practical jokes? <laughs> I think my gynecologist would be down. All right. We'll I'll give her a call after this. Then we're good. Amazing. Um, I got like a lot of my information from LochNess.com, the BBC, PBS.com, Time.com, and HighlandTitles.com. So check them out. Uh, and that is the big, great, beautiful Loch Ness monster, Nessie, if you will, if you're trying to beautiful. be comfortable. So mu- I didn't know so many, so much of that stuff. I didn't realize, I didn't know the picture was a hoax. Yes, hoax. I never heard that. Confirmed as of 1994. Wake up, sheep. It changes everything. Yeah. It does. It makes me want to go dive down for the damn uh, toy that's at the bottom of this like 800 foot deep lake. <laughs> I'm away. There's a Barbie down there. Oh, yes. Full circle, people. Oh, my God. Um, it's all connected. All right. If you want to come find us, you can talk to us on Twitter at the Good Eve Girls or Instagram at the Good Evening Girls or TikTok at the Good Eve Girls. We're fun. We're crazy. We just like to have a, like, a laugh once in a while. We're kooky. Um, but until then, I guess we will see you next week. That's true. You were listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.